Hello, frequent flyers, and welcome to Points of View, the Point Hacks podcast. I'm your host, David Walsh, and I talk to some of Australia's top points collectors. We dive into their backgrounds, stories, redemptions, and of course, their best hacks. Imagine traveling the world, working from exotic locations, and flying in more business and first-class seats than you can count along the way. Well, that's exactly what Matt Moffat, a senior writer for Point Hacks, did for well over a year. Today, I'm talking to Matt about his time as a digital nomad, the ups, downs, and tips if you want to do the same. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dave. We're, uh, we're in Hong Kong at the moment in, uh, in, in my hotel room in the Novotel. And if anyone hears construction noise in the background, that is the dulcet tones of Hong Kong continually building. So we're actually here on the uh, the Point Hacks trip. So Matt, how did how did you get to Hong Kong? Um, I flew. I'm I'm based in Austin, Texas. Mm. Um, so I flew up to Seattle, which is about a four hour flight yep. with Alaska Airlines in economy class, and then I flew on from there in Cathay Pacific business class, which was good because. I wanted a life flight seat for the 13 hours over Yeah, it's here. a long flight. I, I was very lucky. I was actually scheduled to be on an economy flight uh, from Melbourne up to Hong Kong, uh, but put in the upgrade request and then you know, the, the morning before got a, a lovely little text message from uh, Qantas saying that I've been bumped up to business class. And your status with Qantas is? Oh, it's bronze. So, I, it can still I'm, happen. It can still happen. It's uh, it, it's not very common, but um, I, I, I felt very lucky. I think business class tastes all that much better when you're expecting to fly economy mm. and get upgraded at the last did minute. Did you get lounge access given that you were I did. upgraded? Yeah, I did. Congratulations. I, it's, it's it's not perhaps uh, Qantas's foremost business lounge in Melbourne, um, but it still beats the food court. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Matt, um, you've got a very interesting story. We actually want to talk to you today about... Uh, you know, your a bit of your background and then your year as a digital nomad. Yes, so, let's um, do it. So, first off for the audience, you've, you've worked with Point Hacks for a, a good while now. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to work with Point Hacks? Yes, absolutely. So, I grew up in Sydney, in Western Sydney, in the mm-hmm. Hawkesbury, um, and then did university and bounced between Sydney and Madrid for a few years for most of my 20s, teaching English and Spanish. And then in 2014, I won the green card lottery for the US. Beautiful. Which is known as the diversity visa lottery formally. Yep. Um, so, I'd applied for five years. I won in my fifth year out of 13 million people. There's uh, only 50,000 per year that win. Yeah. And um, so then I decided to move to Austin. I'd visited there on holidays before and I really liked it. And um, then I, I worked as a server for the first year because I wanted to uh, make money off my Australian accent with tips. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, what drew you to the US? I guess it just happened that way. Yeah. I studied abroad in, in Guadalajara, Mexico in 2009. Mm. And uh, one of the other study abroad students mentioned the green card lottery. Yeah. And so, I just decide, I decided to apply every year until I won if I ever would win. I never thought I would. Yeah. But, you know, it was just the right timing. I was kind of done with my Spanish adventure by that stage. So, mm. I was happy to, to embark on a new adventure in the US. Beautiful. Yes. And then the point hacks bit of it is that um, one of my best friends from Australia who I went to university with in Wollongong, who also won the green card lottery and now lives in SF. Talk about, uh, you know, some some concentrated luck. Right? Yeah. Um, He saw a 
job ad for a contributing writer mm. for Point Hacks um, at the start of 2016, forwarded that on to me because he knew that I was into aviation. Mm-hmm. And so I started off as a contributing writer or a part-time writer. Yep. Um, and then gradually worked my way up to full time. And yeah, this January will be four years working for Point Hacks. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it, it's a fantastic business to work for. And it's just great to be able to, I mean, from I'm guessing from your perspective to be able to write about things that are things that you love and, um, you know, things that are fun. Yeah, I'm so passionate about it. It's kind of like I get paid to pursue a hobby and to help other people pursue that hobby as well. Yeah. And I'm really grateful to be able to work from anywhere in the world. And that's why I decided to go on the Digital yeah. Nomad Year in 2018. Fantastic. I guess the one of the benefits that you would have living in Austin, Texas, that most of the people listening to this podcast don't have is your access to um, US-based airline point programs absolutely yes i have 18 credit cards 18 in the u.s cards. yeah because they're a lot more lax with those regulations and that means that they do have a more lucrative credit card market as well mm. so um you know i earn five points per dollar spent on travel for example wow. on airfare so mm. i can really maximize my points earn by having a u.s social security number which allows me to apply for u.s credit cards mm. and also I mean, Delta doesn't have a very good um, frequent flyer program. United is getting worse. Americans will probably get worse soon as well. They'll mm. probably follow suit and go to dynamic award pricing as well. Um, but Alaska Airlines is probably my favorite uh, frequent flyer program. That's who I used to get over here for that Cathay Pacific flight. Mm. They have some of the across-the-board lowest redemption rates, and they also allow free stopovers on one-way awards. So I find that really useful. Yeah, I've heard a lot of there a lot of positive things about uh, Alaska, uh, the Alaska program. Yes, not. I mean, they're not the greatest airline. I would probably rank them in like the top third of the eleven. US domestic airlines. Mm -hmm. But in terms of frequent flyer programs, I think it's one of the best in the world. And travelers in Australia can get those um, Alaska miles by buying them during uh, buy miles uh, promotions. The Mm -hmm. best price that they're offered at is a 50% bonus. So if you see that, jump on that um, and crunch the numbers to make sure that it makes sense for your specific redemption that you're eyeing off. Yeah. And you can also transfer Marriott Bonvoy points over to Alaska Airlines, which you can basically transfer Bonvoy points to any frequent flyer program. We've actually got a fair bit of content on the site about uh, using Alaska miles. and, And we usually... Uh, you know, let the audience know when we see one of these, um, you know, bonus uh, purchasing options. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. you can get like one-way Cathay Pacific business class from Australia to Asia for 30,000 miles. Like that's unheard of with other programs. You can get one-way Qantas business class to the US um, for 55,000 miles one way. Oh, beautiful. Which is yeah. a lot. Like, and the taxes are a lot lower than through Qantas Frequent Flyer. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, get, getting back to okay, so you you work for Point Hacks, uh, you're based in Austin, Texas, um, and then you had this idea to spend some time being a digital nomad. Mm. Now, for some for people listening that aren't too sure what a digital nomad is, what's your take on what a digital nomad is? It's someone that works remote, mm-hmm. works online, and doesn't have a fixed address. Yeah. So I'd followed these people on Instagram and I guess through other mediums um, for a couple of years. And, and I had been working for Point Hacks so since the start of 2016, right through 2017. And my housemate that I was living with at the time in Austin, mm. um, they decided to move back to California. And, and so we were going to end our lease. So 
for me, that was a pivot point. I said, do I buy a house? Do I rent by myself? Do mm. I move in with someone else? Or do I take this leap? And I had been in Austin for three years and I, w- I felt like I was starting to plateau there in yeah. terms of challenges. Yep. And I thought, you know, it's I have the privilege of being able to work online and be able to work from anywhere in the world. Mm. And I work in travel. Yep. So, my job could actually be enhanced by mm. traveling. So, I decided to embark on this. I framed it as a year. It ended up being 14 months, mm. which was too long. Yep. Um, but I'm really glad that I did that because I've since returned to Austin about 10 months ago. And I'm more in love with Austin now than I ever have been. And I think I needed that space from Austin. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But I, I do want to talk more about the digital nomad bit of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'd say like it's it it makes sense given your role and given your ability to work remotely and just your love of travel. When you were approaching your digital nomad year, uh, did you have a plan of attack? Did you think, okay, well, I'm going to do exactly these destinations over the course of a year? Or did you pick your first destination and then just figure it out as you went. I A requirement of my green card is that I have to live in the US for half of the year. Mm. So, I definitely had that structure. Our Point Hacks meetup was in Tokyo in September of 2018. So, I knew I had to go there yep. and I wanted to be in Australia for the Christmas holidays. Mm. So, that was the structure. I had originally planned to start my digital nomad year in Taiwan because I'd heard great things about it. I actually ended up ending it there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, three months before I left on my adventure, I met a boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as, as it happens. <laughs> as it happens. And he wasn't thrilled with how Austin had worked out with him. He'd mm-hmm. only been there for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I said, you know, I'm going to embark on this journey and I'm not going to let romance stopped me from doing that because this is really important to me and I need to leave Austin. Mm. Um, But I said, I really like you and I'd like you to be part of that adventure if if you would if you would like to come on some of it with me. Mm. And we'd met through a Spanish conversation group that I set up with my best friend in Austin. So, we were both Spanish speakers. Mm. Um, So, we started the year in uh, South America for three months. Okay. So, we did one year, sorry, one month in Chile, one in Argentina and one in Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we came back and we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> I think everyone else could see that that might might happen, mm. but I couldn't necessarily. I mean, if we were to put together a formula <laughs> of things that might lead to a breakup, you know, that, yeah. that you, there might be some common elements. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was working, he wasn't working on the road. Yeah. Uh, we both got food poisoning to towards the end it, like it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the the greatest it was a bit of a perfect storm of yeah. events yeah. um so yeah so that was the first three months and then the next three months were me recovering from a breakup <laughs> and i went to my brother was living in sweden at that point so mm. i went to sweden i've revisited spain um i went to canada i hung out with friends in the u.s mm. and then um the Second half of the year started off with um, some more domestic travel. I went to Japan mm-hmm. um, and that's where we hung out in Tokyo. Absolutely. The next day, Keith, the founder of Point Hacks, and I went on a little mini trip to Kyoto mm-hmm. and we're in Typhoon Jebby. Yes, I, rem- I remember that. That uh, that had an impact <sighs> on my trip as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean like um, Osaka, Kansai Airport was flooded, yep. so Keith couldn't get out. I ended up being able to fly up to Hokkaido, the northernmost island in Japan. Mm. Um, and then six hours after I was there, I picked up my rental car, 
drove to um, the Airbnb that I was staying at in this like rural countryside village mm. with this retired Japanese couple. And then, so I like arrived there at 10 p.m. and then and went straight to sleep. And at 3 a.m. I was in a 6.9 scale earthquake. <laughs> which cut out power to the whole island of 5 million people for three days because they didn't want a repeat of what happened in Fukushima in 2011. Yes. So, you know, the... When it rains, it pours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, And I I was safe enough, but, um, yeah, it was... I guess it was a little bit jolting, Mm. that experience. So, then I flew back down to Tokyo and ended up going down the beach somewhere kind of south of, um, of Fuji, and then there was like a tornado warning there. And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done wrong? This was all within like less than a week. Um, so, yeah. So, then I went back to the States. Um, so, we're up to September now. Went back to Europe for a little bit mm. um, and then finished off in Australia. Um, my month in Taiwan, which I would highly recommend to people. Beautiful. Um, as pr- It's probably like my in my top 10 countries. Mm. Um, relatively affordable, easy to get there um, from Australia. If you can use your Qantas points on on China Airlines, that's a new relationship mm-hmm. that they've started up. And um, and then I ended up going uh, snowboarding with Keith and another one of our colleagues, Todd, yes. to kind of finish off the 14 months on the road and headed back to the US. That's a big 14 months. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I would have shortened that mm-hmm. in in hindsight. Um, I don't think I would have planned as much ahead. Yeah. But I get really excited by the planning process. And um, often it's not, it, it's, uh, this sounds like a cliche, but for me, it's the journey, not the destination in that I love the products. I aim mm. for products that I want to fly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a classic point hacker right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we can write an article uh, about a, a destination guide to, to Japan and uh, you know, our audience will be you know, semi-interested. But we write about the, the seats over there and you know, everyone eats it up. Yes, absolutely. So, after Hong Kong here, I have kind of been led by, I planned this like nine months ago, mm. led by where I could find availability and where my points currencies could get me. And so, after this, I'm going to uh, Dubai for a couple of days mm. and then to Jordan for a week. Um flying Emirates first for the first time. Oh, and then I'm flying back to uh, via New York um, in Etihad, A380 mm. first apartments. And I guess that's a, that's a good tip in general, though. If you, Points are much easier to use when you have the ability to be able to, you know, have where you go dictated by what's available, if that makes sense. So, you know, if you, if especially if you're looking at, you know, if you've got a destination in mind, if you're flexible with your dates, as an example, you're much more likely to get uh, a good product or a good seat versus trying to be, you know, trying to hit a, a destination on a certain date. You're sort of tying your hands behind your back a little bit. Absolutely. And I'm extra lucky because I'm, I travel solo. Mm. So, it's easier to find one seat Absolutely. rather than multiple ones. And I am not uh, bound by mm, school holidays or... Mm. You know, I can kind of travel whenever I want. So, Absolutely. I realize that it's not as easy for everyone to do what I do. No, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, so, so thinking back to the, the digital nomad piece, um, what did you find was really good as living uh, living as a digital nomad? And what were a few of the things that you found that you know, were just, just a bit tough to deal with? 
I think I have even more confidence in traveling now. Mm. I can kind of land somewhere and and um, su- survive mm. more easily than before. Um, I really enjoyed speaking Spanish and because you're fluent, aren't you? Yeah, Spanish is a really big part of my life. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, and I can get by in Japanese and, and Portuguese. So I enjoyed visiting those different countries as well. I mean, um, start comparison to me, I can barely speak English. So <laughs> no comment. Uh, <laughs> you were born in England, right? I, was, I mean, yes. there we go. That you're just honouring your heritage. <laughs> um, uh, noted. <laughs> I think something that I could have done better was uh, connecting with other digital nomads because mm. I, I don't think I really realised that I was suffering from loneliness yeah. and anxiety I, while I, I was on the road. I can road. imagine it could be quite, especially traveling that much, um, you, you find yourself alone a lot of the time. Absolutely. Mm. But that, you know what, that was one of the best things as well is that I learned to be by myself mm. um, and <laughs> through like a forced situation, I guess. <laughs> um, and I'm really grateful for that. And mm. I've realized that um, I can be by myself, but I, I, I don't like living by myself, for example. Mm-hmm. So I'm about to buy a house in Austin. So um, that experience has kind of led me to make the decision that I'd like to buy a two-bedroom place rather mm-hmm. than a one-bedroom place. So yep. that was really useful. Um, and what wasn't so great, I guess, I probably spent more money than I should have. Mm. Um, and I guess there's a lot of places you went to, you know, South America can be quite cheap, but also, you know, if you you if you're doing it constantly, you're still you're spending money as if you're on holiday a little bit. And you're eating out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And some countries are like more expensive than I thought they'd be. Mm. Ch- Chile is not cheap. Really? Argentina is not cheap anymore mm. either. Mm. Um, Taiwan isn't as cheap as I thought it would be. Mm. But then I go to places like Portugal and I'm like, oh my God, this is <laughs> like really good value. Yeah. So, I guess it all balances out in the end. Yeah. Mm. And I guess um, you're... you're your life as a digital nomad over that 14 months was probably more at the extreme end of digital nomadism. You know, there, there are some people that will go to a, a location for, you know, three months and base themselves there and just, just work remotely, not, not in their home country. So, um, so how many, how many of those flights did you pay for and how many did you get on points? Just proportionately with it, with any like real wins or steals throughout that trip? Yes. So I did 50 flights throughout the whole year. Um, three of them were in first. Yep. Seven of them were in business. Yeah. So less than you'd probably think. Yep. And all the rest were in economy class. Economy, yeah. I used cash for my economy class tickets. Mm-hmm. They're mainly domestic ones within the US. Yep. If I were in Australia, it would probably be the same. Mm-hmm. And then I save up my points for international trips in premium cabins. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the best redemption, definitely the best redemption that I made was. ANA, which is the uh, Japan's second biggest carrier, uh, first class. Hmm. That was LA to Tokyo return Beautiful. for 110,000 Virgin Atlantic Flying Club miles. Mm-hmm. So they're a transfer partner of American Express in Australia, as well as Marriott Bonvoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the taxes were about three, less than 300 US. You get access to um, really good first class lounges and... I was on a Star Wars, one of the Star Wars planes. I remember had, that. Yeah, so I boarded at one a.m. in at L.A. and uh, because it was dark, I didn't see the livery. Like the exterior of yeah. the plane was painted Star Wars, and I walked in, and you know, I was like pretty tired, and um, 
obviously you're just trying to orient yourself in the airplane. So I wasn't really paying attention to the theme music, which was Star Wars. And I must admit, I've never seen Star Wars. Okay. Or I'll, a full I'll, Star Wars I'll, I'll, I'll let that movie. slide. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> finding myself on a Star Wars plane would, would be a, a dream of mine. But, I'm, you know. I'm sure it was. Yeah. And um, I, actually, I think this is a bit of a service floor. They probably should have welcomed me, uh, the cabin crew, you know, formally and by mm. name and mm. but they just kind of came and i think they were excited to pass around a yoda doll uh yeah which i didn't really identify what that was to me it was just like it's a little gr- green thing gremlin or something and they, <laughs> they said do you want a photo with this and i was like this isn't quite adding up but i'm just gonna say yes because yeah japanese people are so nice so we got a photo and then i kind of they gave me an amenities kit and i think there, were, there was like a star wars card in there so oh, yeah so that was the best redemption that what, I made a, what a time to be alive that, <laughs> yeah that will be you know i think for you a little confusing i i just i'm sitting here i'm very jealous of that experience <laughs> and then and uh i think it's eva Air, which is one of the Taiwanese airlines, they have a Hello Kitty uh, branding relationship as oh, well. Wow. So, yeah, Maybe. if you're into that. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are into that. <laughs> it's one of the biggest, most recognizable brands in the yes. world. Um, brilliant. So, out of all the destinations you went to, what, what was your favorite? Japan's the country that I recommend most to people. Mm-hmm. This was my fifth time there. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, a sister city exchange when I was 15 in Japan, and I've always had a love affair with that country. I don't think it's a perfect country. I don't think any country is, but there's so many things that I love about it from a travel point of view. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed going back there minus the earthquake um, and the typhoon. And the typhoon and <laughs> everything. <laughs> um, uh, but I guess the best new destination that I went to, mm. I thoroughly enjoyed Chile. Sure. I think yeah. it's quite underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it offers really diverse landscapes because it goes so north and south. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got like desert and, and like, I think my favorite bit of that country was the Lakes District. Um, it looked like the South Island of New Zealand. Oh, really? It was so lush, beautiful lakes. Um, volcanoes snow-capped volcanoes the best time to go there is in december or february i would strongly avoid um january because they have these like massive horse flies which are called tabanos Mm. and they are honestly the most annoying and vicious (laughs) insect that i've ever come across yeah and we were there in january so that kind of detracted from our experience but like stunning hiking yeah um atrocious food (laughs) chilean food really doesn't have much going for it so argentina's kind of better for that but if you can combine a trip and you can fly latam and Qantas non-stop from uh to santiago so that's a really good jumping off point i feel like when people go to south america most people are going to brazil or argentina most people from australia i Mm. guess and uh but i think that chile is definitely worth it as long as you save up your money for it beautiful yes um so finally so we've say we've got listeners uh listen to the podcast right now and they're just sold on the idea of being a digital nomad so one of the one of the prerequisites guys is being able to have a job which will allow you to travel so being able to work remotely um but matt what would your recommendations be for an Australian that, that wants to give this a go for six months, a year, 
you know, or even three months. I definitely do it. I, I don't think that you have to put a time frame on it. Just mm. see how you're going. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to have a break and kind of recalibrate after like the, the five-month mark, for example. I kind of wish that I did that yeah. and then I could have done 2.0. Um, I would suggest from a like flying point of view, get a credit card that has an unlimited priority pass membership attached to it. Mm-hmm. So, like the Amex Platinum Charge card yeah. because uh, you'll probably be doing a lot of flights in economy you mm-hmm. could be flying air asia for example from bali to bangkok yeah and um it doesn't really make sense for you to use points on that route perhaps mm-hmm. and having a priority pass membership will allow you to get into a lounge no matter what cabin or airline you're flying in yeah nice um i would also maybe save up your uh asia miles Chris Flyer Miles or Qantas points and do a round the world redemption if you can plan that far ahead. It's, it's a very good value redemption. Yeah, and I do that in business class as mm. well. So, um, so for Asia Miles and Chris Flyer Miles, it's 240000 um, And for Qantas, it's 318000 So, it's a bit more expensive with mm. them. Um, and... I'd have a look into working holiday visas as well. Usually they end around like the 30 to 35 years of age mark, Mm -hmm. depending on the country. But if you want to kind of stay put somewhere, perhaps you might fall in love with someone on the road, then you might want to go to Canada for a couple of years or two. (laughs) Happens more often than you think. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, I guess my advice in summary would be if you're thinking about doing it, do it. Mm. But also keep in mind that social media may present an idea of what that experience may be like, like you sipping on a coconut, like in a hammock on your laptop in Thailand. Like, who actually does that? You're probably going to be sitting in like a quite humid cafe trying to do your work and trying to work out your time zones. And yeah, you know. I guess that, that it can be really tough. You know, you've got a, you've got Absolutely. a job that you need to do. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, it's not a year long holiday. It's a, it's, you know, your living situation around, you know, your job. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you, if you want to do it, do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just have realistic expectations going into yeah. it. Fantastic. Well, Matt, thanks for joining us on, on this episode. Uh, I think it, it gave us a really good insight um, in, into that 14 months of you know your life as a digital nomad. Um, I know there's plenty of content from your, your journeys on the Point Hacks website at the moment, um, especially from that 14-month period. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming on, and I'm sure we'll have you on an episode of the podcast again very soon. Thank you very much for having me. It All was right. very enjoyable. Beautiful. Thanks, Matt. That's it for today's episode of Points of View, the Point Hacks podcast. Remember to visit pointhacks.com.au for more frequent flyer deals, guides, and tips. I'm David Walsh, and don't forget to subscribe.